Good evening. Welcome to this, our Tenant Grace service. Before we get going, a few notes about this service. It's very different than what our normal Sunday gathering is like. Uh, it's a chance for us to be meditative in our faith, uh, to contemplate the significance of the day, to be more silent than rowdy than we usually are on Easter Sunday, um, and just to dwell in what Jesus did and his passion for us. Some of you might wonder, what is tenebrae? It's just a Latin word meaning darkness. We remember as Jesus hung on the cross from noon till about 3 p.m., the sky turned black as the light of the world was fading away. And so you'll see in this service a progression from light to almost pitch darkness. With that, a few things that you can do and understand. One of them is our confession for today. As you've seen, we have a cross um, out in the entry. And uh, you can write either your family name, your name, the word sin, or a sin you struggle with to that cross, remembering that's where, again, it remains because of Jesus. If you want to give an offering, there's a basket out uh, by uh, the entry again. And uh, today as we leave, there will be no more announcements, um, there won't be any music, so you can leave at your leisure and leave in silence. With that, you'll also hear um, two other things that uh, I should explain. One is the loud slamming sound, which we refer to as the strepitus. This is to symbolize the closing of Jesus' tomb. And after that, the resurrection candle. Uh, that though we leave knowing Jesus died, we have the hope that he does rise again. And that our hopes and our joys will culminate in just three days. So welcome. And with that, as you've gathered, I invite you now to pray with me. Let's ask God to bless us. Heavenly Father, have mercy on us, your family for whom our Savior Jesus was willing to be betrayed, be given over into the hands of the wicked, and suffer death upon the cross. Help us to see the gravity and weight of our sin, but also rejoice in its full and complete payment. Send your Holy Spirit as we worship you in this hour. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so now we will join in our first song, How Deep the Father's Love for Us can join in as you're comfortable.
This Good Friday, we focus on the seven phrases Jesus said as he hung that day on the cross. The first thing we hear is, Father, forgive them. What I recognize is how important forgiveness is to the Christian faith. Forgiveness is the reason that I can fail my own moral standard or God's law and still pick myself back up again. Go at it again, knowing I have mercies new every morning. Forgiveness feels so good to receive and so good to hear your sins are forgiven. Well, it's so easy to get. It is so hard to give. If you've been walking the Christian walk for a while, maybe you've come up to a point where you said, why should I forgive someone who hurt me? Maybe because you felt you were letting them off the hook. Maybe you felt that you were now condoning what they did or saying it was okay. Well, Jesus, he, by dying, addresses a misconception about forgiveness. It's not condoning. It's not saying it's okay. It's not letting anyone off the hook. It is nothing than digging deep to pay the cost. He both says and shows what forgiveness is in the words to a soldier who's nailing him to the cross. He says, Father, forgive them, as he also pays the price there on the cross. We needed that forgiveness. We sin daily in thought, word, and deed, and we have it through Jesus. As often as we come, so often does he assure us that we have peace, that it's been paid for. But then he also says, no matter how hard, no matter how difficult, no matter what logical excuses you have, what I have done for you, go and do for everyone around you. Forgive from the heart. We consider this as we read the first words of Jesus, Luke chapter 23. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. This is the word of God. We now continue with confession of sins and absolution. I invite you to join with me in the confession for today. Heavenly Father, this evening there is no hiding. I cannot escape the fact that I am a sinner and all that my sins deserve. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry Jesus had to pay the debt I owed. I'm ashamed for all the times and ways I've tried to lighten the weight of my sin and how I process things. I ask for your mercy tonight and always in the precious name of Jesus. Tonight is sad. Tonight is serious. It's sacred. But tonight is good. It's good not because of what happened to Jesus, but because of what happened to Jesus and what it means for us. That because he went through that sacrifice, that awful torture, we have forgiveness. And I get to tell you this. And you get to receive it in a real way. Your sins, they are forgiven. This in the name of the Father and of the Son.
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We now continue with a, another reading. Have you ever asked the question, what happens when you die? There are a lot of different secular theories. Some say we're just reincarnated. Reincarnated to be a, a dog or a cat or a plant. And I don't know about you, but I don't want that. Some say that's just the end. There's nothing after death. And that's why we need to live it up while we're here on earth. Jesus, he has a different perspective. Jesus taught not only of heaven, but he also taught about hell. And I know which one I want to go to. I want to be in the place called paradise. For I know that in that place, we won't be chubby cherubs playing the harp on a cloud. We're going to be in the new heavens and the new earth. The place that Jesus has been preparing for 2,000 years. The creator God who in six days made this one, taking 2,000 years to make that one. The place where sin is removed. We don't have to worry about being sick, bad relationships, any kind of pain or sadness. The place where I get to see God and be enveloped by his love. What a gift to know that heaven, it is possible because of Jesus Christ. On this Good Friday, he turns to a thief. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. And we realize what it takes to reach heaven. It doesn't take our goodness. This thief surely couldn't claim he was good, couldn't claim he was better. He was the worst of the worst, dying for his sin. The cost of heaven takes only faith. A faith that God creates through the preaching of the word and the waters of baptism. The gift of salvation is also illustrated in the gift of faith where he makes dead things alive. All I have to do is hold out and say, Jesus, will you remember me? And know that I will hear those words, today you will be with me in paradise. This is hope not only for us, but all of our loved ones. For those we might miss this Easter, to know that they're not ghosts, they're not in purgatory or no man's land. They are with the Lord through faith in Him. And so much better off. We consider this as we now look to our second lesson, second word from Jesus, Luke chapter 23. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at Him. They said, He saved others, let Him save Himself if He is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked Him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly. We are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. Forgiveness was born. 
behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait, because Jesus is calling. Bring your sorrows and trade them for joy. From the ashes, a new life is born. Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms, they're open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ the Mary has a prominent position in the story of God. One thing we recognize is that we don't worship Mary. Though she is honored, she is not a deity. And while she has a very honored position, I'm not sure I'd like to be Mary. Mary is the one who gives birth to the Messiah. The promises culminate. But Mary, as a mom, has to watch her son die. Simeon prophesied this. When brought to the temple, Simeon said, A sword will pierce your own soul. And so Mary is standing there as Jesus hangs on the cross. And it's strange. A mother's love is built to outdo its children. A mother loves even when the children are naughty, even when the children disobey and go away. Uh, you, you cannot quench a mother's love, and yet here a mother's love is outdone. Jesus, in the height of his intense pain, takes care of Mary. Jesus' love would not be outdone. He proves even in death how he reaches out, how he cares for all. This means that when we reach out to others with Jesus' love, we know they have a place in the kingdom. We know it's not lip service when he says he truly wants all to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth because no one can outdo, no one has outdone that incredible love. We see it illustrated in our next lesson from John chapter 19. It says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, 
Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. This is the word of God. I'm going to invite you to please stand. At this moment, we have an opportunity to declare who God is and what Jesus has done particularly on this day through Luther's explanation of the second article. We continue. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord. He has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. This is most certainly true. Please be seated. I have a personal mission statement as a pastor, and that is to convince others how good God is. I know I can't actually do that. The Holy Spirit has to do that, but it's something I'm convinced of. That every good thing we have is a gift from our Father. Whether it be sunshine and the warm weather, whether it be good relationships and family and friends, a good meal, a good night's sleep, Everything good that has no regret has come from the hand of God. James, the brother of Jesus, said, Every good and perfect gift is from the Father of the heavenly lights who doesn't change as shifting shadows. And when Jesus dies, it's the first time he's separated from the goodness of the Father. It's the first time he has to experience how bad it is to be removed from mercy and grace. What Jesus goes through on this day, it is literal hell. For hell, the, the complete definition is to be removed from God, separated from his goodness forever. Hell is not a place to party. Hell is not a place where you have friends and, and live the high life. Hell is not a place you want to be because there is nothing good there because God is not there. Jesus, to rescue us, goes through hell and we hear it in the words, Why have you forsaken me? Jesus, who knew the plan of God, could not bear the pain of being removed from the goodness of his Father. And why? So that you and I could have that goodness. So that even sinners right now enjoy his mercy and his grace as the sun comes up and as the crops are given. You and I have access to that Father every day in prayer to hear his voice through the word to experience his goodness. We should take advantage of that goodness. Jesus paid a deep price so we could have access to our Father now and for eternity. Praise Jesus. We continue with another lesson. Matthew chapter 27. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing here there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest then said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. This is the word of God. We continue with our next song, Man of Sorrows. sorrows lamb of God by his own betrayed the sin of man and wrath of God 
has been on Jesus' now continue with the responsive of Isaiah 53, forecasting Good Friday. I'll read the unbolded parts. You're invited to join in the bold parts. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I'll ask you, do you confess that your sins too were the cause of Jesus' suffering and death? We do. Do you believe that Jesus' death on the cross paid for all your sins and that through him your guilt has been taken away. We do. Please be seated.
We live in a world where we're not always understood. Sometimes we try to explain to a spouse or a friend exactly what we're going through, and we either can't put into words or they don't have the experience to truly relate to what we're going through, and so it can feel very isolating. I think of all the ways that God could have saved us. He's the one, again, putting together the plan. And his plan of salvation was to wrap himself in human flesh, becoming 100% just like us. And why? It means that there's nothing that you can go through, that I can go through, that he doesn't understand. He gets a good day. He knows what feels good. The glow of sunshine, a good report, great relationships, he understands. But he also understands the bad. We're having a horrible, terrible, rotten day. When our bodies don't feel good, when we're frustrated and exhausted, he gets it. As we consider Jesus' words, we hear him say, I thirst. And here we have evidence again that he is truly human. He is just like us. And here we have evidence of a Savior who completely understands all that we go through and is here to love us. We continue with our next scripture reading from John chapter 19. Later, knowing that everything had now been fulfilled until scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. This is the word. That's why I sing all my 
We have a chance now to join in the prayer Jesus taught us, and I invite you to join with me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now I'm going to invite you to pray with me as we ask God's blessings upon the preaching of his word. Heavenly Father, move powerfully in these moments. Help us not take sin lightly or our Savior's sacrifice lightly. But let us also not take lightly the joy and the peace that we have. You are the reason for hope. There is even joy this day we call good. Lord, thank you for the cross. Thank you for your sacrifice. Bless now our remembrance and the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends, something I recognize about life is that life is filled with unfinished projects. I don't know if you've ever been to the National Monument, Mount Rushmore, but it's a well-known fact that Mount Rushmore is unfinished. What turned out to be headshots were supposed to be body shots from the waist up, but they ran out of time and money. In Cincinnati, I don't know if you've ever been, there's the abandoned tunnel system. They're supposed to create a subway, uh, started in the 1900s, but that was abandoned because of the Great Depression in the 1920s. And now if you visit, you can find two miles of empty tunnels. Chicago knows something about unfinished projects. I remember the Chicago Spire. I wanted to visit it. When I first moved here, there was a project. But then the Great Recession hit. And now all there is from the Spire is a hole in the ground. Can you relate to unfinished projects? Maybe for you it was a home remodel that either the time or the money went away. And before you could get to the kitchen, before you could get to the bathroom, you actually sold the house and moved on. Have you ever uh, not finished a goal you had for life? I'd like to say I did P90X. The reality is I didn't. I skipped at least two weeks. And so we know what it is to have unfinished projects and uncompleted goals. To not give the last rep at the gym, to not run the extra mile, after all, the pain is too much. But that's what makes our Savior so much better. See, on Good Friday, we remember Jesus, he had one goal. And that was to prove his Father's love. And he proved it because he was the Son sent to rescue sinners. And Jesus, unlike us sometimes, knew exactly what it would take. He wasn't halfway in and wondering, oh wow, this is a bigger deal than I thought. No, he knew precisely everything that would go down. He knew the emotional agony that his friends, those who loved him, would betray him. 
and deny him and desert him. In his one hour of need, they were not there. They were not helpful. They had slept. He knew the physical pain. He was going to die through crucifixion. He was going to be tortured. He was going to be flogged and the crown of thorns put on his head. And crucifixion was a slow way to die. He would suffocate on his own blood. He knew the literal hell that was in store. The one who is from everlasting and into everlasting will have this moment in time when he's not connected with his father, the source of goodness. He knew it all. And yet he went anyway. I praise Jesus' resolve. I praise him that he didn't give up. Because surely he could have given reasons to. He could have said, the, the pain is too much, the feeling's too much, the cost too much, and the prize too little. And yet he went anyway, knowing exactly what was in store. The disciples, they picked up on this. A writer named John, uh, one of the beloved, one of the inner circle, who writes differently than the other gospel writers, he remembers this one thing about Jesus while they were celebrating the Passover. And this is how John puts it. In John chapter 13, he said, Having loved those who are in the world, love is the reason he would love them to the end. And so he goes to Gethsemane right after that event. And so he endures a symphony of agony as he conducts each chord. He, the one, the all-powerful, almighty God, the one who raises the dead and heals all those in need, he is the one who allows himself to be beaten and broken. Our good shepherd, the patient one, the one who said, children, come here. I got time for you. The one who said a, a smoldering wick he would not snuff out because he's that kind. He's that gentle. That one who showed such patience allows himself to be misunderstood and mocked. And something I hate about Good Friday is those people in the crowd, those people who said he saved others but he cannot save himself. I hate that line. I want to slap those people. I want to zap them, get rid of them. My Savior, my God, he is the patient one, the ultimate good father and good shepherd. You don't know who you're talking to. This one is the author of life, who by him the word made flesh, everything came to be, and the author of life is now putting himself subject to death, but he does it of his own accord. Such is the resolve of his love. And where do we find ourselves in the story? Well, I would love to say about myself, I'm kind of like Simon. The one who carried the cross for just a little bit. I would love to think I helped Jesus lighten the load. On Facebook, I saw this picture of a monument of Jesus carrying his cross and a little child, a little girl, trying to help pick up that cross and lighten the load. I would love to imagine I'm Simon, but I'm not Simon. I'm the soldier. I'm the one who picks up a hammer and nails, and I'm the reason he's pierced, and I'm the reason he dies. It was me. It was because of all the times that I thought I was being cute or getting away with something. It was for all the times I knew what was evil and did it anyway. I'm the reason he dies. Maybe you confess, so are you. But the love of Jesus, the patience of Jesus, oh, to love like him. Because though all this would happen, he would fulfill, he would die so that we could be set free. He turns to each one of us 
And he gives to us a word of encouragement. A word found in the lesson we'll consider. It's a Greek word to telestai. And that one word, I know you don't speak Greek, means three English words, it is finished. But that one word is nuanced in a beautiful way. It has a few definitions and each one of them, like a different facet of a diamond, shines in its own splendor. For to telestai, it means it is fulfilled. And with that, I remember that all of God's promises came to fruition. Not one of them failed. And it started in the garden. When Adam and Eve rebelled, God gave one promise. In Genesis 3, verse 15, he said, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And that's fulfilled today. To Telestai. The devil's head, it is crushed. And he cannot hold us down. Fulfilled are the words of David in Psalm 22, where he said not a bone would be broken, how they would cast lots for his clothing, how his tongue would stick to the roof of his mouth, and how villains would encircle him like dogs. Tetelestai, it's fulfilled. Tetelestai fulfilled are the words of Isaiah, who said, yes, he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are filled, we are healed. He fulfills them all. So much that Paul in the New Testament said, you know, every promise God made, they are yes in Christ, and to that we say amen. And you know what Tetelestai means for you? It means the God who didn't fail you on Good Friday, he's not going to start now. It means the promises he has to provide for you, no matter if you're living high off the hog or not, they're true. You're not going to be without what you need to tell us, die. it's fulfilled. It means your future, which culminates in eternity and paradise, but also includes your earthly existence where you are guided and protected by the loving hand of our Father, it's fulfilled to Telestai. And it means that His power and His, His presence goes with you. And it doesn't matter. I don't know where the future will take you, but this I know. Jesus will be there and His righteous right hand, it will hold you up. It's fulfilled. But to Telestai means more. It also means paid in full. When bills were brought back in that day, the debt collector would have a stamp and they would stamp that bill to Telestai, paid in full. You and I understand our debts, our iniquities, all the sins of thought, word, and deed, the rebellious sins of youth, and the sins even as mature people we still continue doing. Telestai. Paid in full. And the debt collector, who has a name, we call him the devil. The debt collector can be silenced. Because the debt collector works in my life. He says, how could you? Shame on you. You shouldn't even go back to God. God would never forgive that. The debt collector who says that debt is way too much and you will never pay it. That debt collector is silenced. He's like Fannie Mae calling up for an old student loan you paid off years ago. And that representative might be speaking some words, but those words carry no weight because that debt is paid to Telestai. But to Telestai means one last thing. It's completed. The mission Jesus was going on, he, he set out to do and he did it. That mission is now a masterpiece. It's like one of Monet's paintings. If you go to the Art Institute and you see the water lilies or you see hay bales or you see a sunset, you know that that is a finished work. You don't have to add your own brush strokes to make Monet better. And so when it comes to salvation, what we know is that it is a completed masterpiece. 
And he fulfills not only his own mission, but our mission. That our salvation, too, cannot be added to. When you walk out of here, all that is left is thanksgiving. That's all you can do. No more righteousness, no more acts of goodness can ever add a brush stroke to the completed work of Jesus when he said, To tell us thy, it is finished. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith in this, not from yourselves, a gift of God, not by works, not by ours, so that no one can boast. To tell us thy is beautiful because it allows us Remember that salvation is a gift. It allows us to live in freedom and in peace every day. Paul said we are more than conquerors. So what is left as we leave? We are not fighting for a victory, but we are fighting from a victory because of tetelestai, a completed work. And what it means is that even though we couldn't love perfectly, nor could our parents or their parents, all the way back to Adam and Eve, though no one could give an unfailing, completed work of love, there is one who did. And that one looks you dead in the eye and he says, to tell us I. It's complete. And you're at peace. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends your understanding may guard your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.
I invite you to consider the previous words based on the sermonette, John 19. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And so we're coming to the end. You know, I've heard incredible things of what happened at time of death. People with stories about a sense of peace or a presence that was there. A temperature change, a door closing. Kind of incredible. And yet nothing matches what happened when Jesus died. The temple, the curtain tore in two, marking a new covenant. The old things had gone away, the new things had come, all because of Jesus, the great fulfillment of every sacrifice thus far. An earthquake that shattered the tombs there in Jerusalem, where the dead actually were raised and, and walked around. How incredible. I don't know what's going to happen at the time of my death. Probably not the same activities. But I do know what Jesus says, exactly what I will experience. That my spirit will be given into the hands of the Father. That the angels and one of their work is to attend us and to bring us to heaven will be there. I do know I'll have the same peace as Jesus must have had as he said his final words. So we now turn to Luke chapter 23. There it says, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness the sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. This is the word of the Lord. 